Welcome to the American Intelligence Media. My name is Douglas Gabriel. I'm your host, and I'm with Michael McKibben, and we're going to be discussing what you want to know, which is who rigged the Florida elections and other elections, and can we name these people so that perhaps someone can be held responsible? Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, Douglas. Great to talk to you on this Monday. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, shocking that every single person that we research. And I remember when this one came up, we just said, well, I wonder who holds the encryption keys for the Florida election, because that would be the jerk that is responsible for this nonsense. And then you said, well, let's just look into that. (laughs) Lo and behold, it's yet another person who ripped off leader technologies with the original tech cabal, Hillary Clinton and uh, her Privy Council, uh, you know, all the all the all the ones we always name Robert Mueller, Comey, Capos, uh, the whole gang, this Crocker, ties, this Chandler. This ties Mueller. This ties Mueller uh, specifically to it now. Oh no! So Joey Sullivan, or we, I like to call him Sully. So Sully <laughs> and 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 Mueller, uh, Mueller good old Mueller, hair SS Mueller. Go way back to the early '90s, you say, and that the yeah. moment that they started to encrypt things, that he was there. We didn't know that until now, did we? We did not know that. Mm. No, no. This this uh, information is buried quite cleverly, very deep, and uh, we had to pull out dynamite and jackhammers to find this stuff. Well, I'm glad but you did. It's out there. I'm totally glad you did, because. Once again, we found that a company called Cloudflare, like so many other companies, have these dummies at the head of them who are fake, like Richard C. Walker, which we just pointed out, who's resurrected and now is leading uh, one of these Chinese companies, which is Broadcom, to try to take over 5G in America. But he was hiding for a while, but he also has the Internet of Things. Well, this is another one of those people, like a Jerry C. Jones you know, who was also another Hillary friend. So these people all go back to the same small group of people, and I guess they made room for Joe Sullivan, so he must have some very powerful friends. Uh, His mother was a CIA agent after she studied at the University of Leningrad back in the 60s, and uh, actually... uh, uh, applied to join the CIA, and she became a Russian analyst. So his experience, he claims he doesn't know what she did, but I don't believe that for a minute. And um, uh, it goes on from there. But it appears that uh, Joe Sullivan is estranged with his father because neither he he doesn't mention either his mother or his father in any bio that we could find so that's what why we our people needed to dig much deeper to actually figure out who his parents were and then who his siblings are he's got uh, six brothers and sisters and his mother died in 2004 her name is Winona and his father is quite an accomplished artist and sculptor. And clear, it's evident from his work that he's also uh, a devout Roman Catholic. And perhaps the estrangement occurs because 
Joseph, his son, ha- appears to have the exact opposite values of his father. Mm-hmm. But so, he has the good fortune of holding one major job after the next from the moment that he started his corrupt career. And then he stole, of course, later technologies, trade secrets, and he worked with PayPal, and he worked with everybody. Can you tell him uh, the way that he just magically happens to get all the best positions, though he probably doesn't know anything about those positions, which indicates to me that to hold one of these major positions in one of these companies, you just have to hold the secret. Yeah, the secret is you've you've got to be uh, one of the people that does the handiwork of this uh, small group of people that uh, decided during the early Clinton days and probably before that that they intended to uh, take over and control the development of the Internet. And they focused on the need to control the digital encryption keys, which was a primary effort that uh, began immediately as soon as Clinton was elected, Chandler and Podesta uh, organized uh, an encryption conference sponsored by the Carnegie Endowment for Peace, and they then gathered a three-page list of uh, players in media, in banking, in entertainment, in education, in commerce, and that's when they started working on getting the backdoor encryption keys so that the FBI could read all of our mail, that all of our transactions, mail, uh, banking, um, sharing of photos, uh, voice, mail, whatever, on the Internet. So they started working on that. Well, this was exactly the same time that uh, Joe Sullivan went to the University of Miami and in 93 got his uh, Juris Doctor degree and became a lawyer. And while he was still at the University of Miami, he interned with the Miami office of the Department of Justice. And um, although they talk later about um, Mueller uh, recruiting him for his cybersecurity team in San Francisco, it appears that his relationship with Mueller goes all the way back to 92 when uh, he was hired as that intern at the uh, Miami-Dade office. And then he moved right after that to San Francisco, where he'd worked directly with Mueller in 93. And then in 96, he married his, um, he married Suzanne R. Sullivan. And uh, amazingly, there's a picture of them at the Vatican getting a blessing from Pope John Paul II on September 4th of 1996, which was exactly the same time as Chandler and Clinton were pushing through the Economic Espionage Act of 1996 and the Federal Trade Secrets Act, as well as the False Statements Accountability Act. And that last one specifically gave people permission to lie to Congress and lie to the courts. And, and that was specifically so that uh, using the logic that uh, we can't tell Congress or the courts many things about our intelligence operations, that was the excuse they used to, uh, to keep everything secret and lock everything down. And it appears that Chandler was managing all of that for the Clinton White House. 
So then um, they moved out to San Francisco from 97 to 99. He was an assistant U.S. attorney. And then uh, in um, 2000 to 2002, Mueller assigned him specifically to his computer hacking and IP unit. Now, that, that time frame, 2000 to 2002, was exactly the same time as we had hired Chandler to help us file for patents and protect our trade secrets. And isn't it magical that Joe went to San Francisco and was put in charge of the unit that should be protecting us, but was, in fact, stealing our our technology and our invention. And then he went from there in 2000, of April, April of 2002 to... Uh, be the senior director of trust and safety at eBay, PayPal, and Skype from 2002 to 2006. Then in 2006 to 2008, he became the associate general counsel at PayPal. And then from 2008 December to 2010 January, he was associate general counsel at Facebook, which happened the way, which by the way, exactly parallels our lawsuit against Facebook. So he was working with the fairly small group of general counsels at Facebook, and one of those cases, in fact, the only case to ever go to trial was ours. So uh, it, it's real clear that he was involved in that, and including the stonewalling of Zuckerberg's hard drives, which we were never able to review. Um, and then from 2010 to 2015, he became the chief security officer at Facebook. And um, somebody said in one of the articles that if Facebook were an organization, he would be the equivalent of the director of Homeland Security. And then in 2016, April, right before the 2016 election, he was appointed by Barack Obama to the U.S. Presidential Commission on Enhancing National Security or National Cybersecurity. And that we, our researchers long ago identified that group as, as the key organizing group within the White House for all of this uh, deep state shadow government activity to uh, conduct mass surveillance and also to control the 2016 election. And this was happening at the same time as Eric Schmidt was developing the U.S. Digital Service run out of the White House also. So this is all mixed in the same bucket. And then from 2015 to 2017, he went to Uber and as chief security officer. And it was during that time that he had a debacle where they lost 57 million customer records. Now, this was customers and drivers. Uh, and that uh, got him fired from Uber. And then one would think that he would go into retirement then. But what happened? He immediately uh, went to Cloudflare. He was appointed chief security officer at Cloudflare, and I had never spent any time looking at what Cloudflare did, and lo and behold, Cloudflare has the uh, digital key contract for some significant swing states, including Florida and Ohio, and they have significant relationships behind the, the covers of all these digital key companies called certificate authorities with numerous states and probably all states uh, through something called chaining where they share 
their digital keys with each other. And, and then uh, you add to that the uh, dirty little secret that the government required these certificate authorities to not only keep the public keys for their customers, but also keep a copy of the private keys of the people using their service ostensibly to allow them to unlock their data if they ever lost their key. But in fact, what appears to be going on is that chaining uh, technology is just a concept, and in fact, they probably are operating all off of one big master list for the whole planet. So I'm going to stop there. That well, brings us current. That is um, an amazing story you've told. I wanted to ask a quick question, and that's he's a lawyer, but then he seems to head up all these tech companies like he's the ultimate genius in terms of cryptology. So is he just a front man, and did it just take a lawyer to be the front man for all these crypto keys? Yeah, he, he's not a, he's not a, I don't think he knows anything about programming from everything I can read and see. So initially we thought he's probably a technical guy, but no, he's a lawyer. And uh, when he was at Facebook until he went to Cloudflare, he, um, or no, he went to Uber after Facebook, uh, they called him a vigilante, that uh, inside he was pretty much his own man and could do whatever he wanted, and even the board of directors didn't know what he was doing. So it's pretty obvious he was the uh, the, the the link to the uh, uh, our intelligence agencies. And he's always at the right place at the right time handling these huge companies he has no experience in that he doesn't understand what they do and yet then he moves from one position to the next and yet he is not effective at those positions he has massive breaches as well as he tells people well we really don't care about security for your people we don't care if people break into ebay or whether they break it it doesn't matter really is what he's telling people so obviously he doesn't do his job and then Cloudflare merges with Global Sign, and then now they advertise, or maybe just Cloudflare itself, that they are six times faster in making these crypto connections, whether they're inside of America or outside. Some of these companies are in, in Ireland, Belgium, Britain, but his company is in uh, Silicon Valley. But it's owned also in part by the Chinese and other people. So there are foreign influences in, in this company, Cloudflare, but they do it this connection six times faster than everyone. So is that just a trick? Is that so that every company beneath him is then would uh, link up to Cloudflare so that they can go faster? Yeah, um, well, unless you can see the code, you can't know for sure. But my best guess is that that is probably... A situation where they've combined their lists together so that they're only looking up one list when in fact all these quote chained companies are in fact just sharing their their key list with some master list and so if they're all on the master list they can search through that a lot quicker than if they have to go serially from database to database to find a key that they're looking for that would be my guess best guess well, just to so clarify, it would be just a a, a, a lookup table, mm -hmm. and one lookup table instead of ten. Exactly, as you were pointing out before too, that there is no private and public; it's all available to them, so everything can be looked up. If you happen to be one of these companies that have the crypto keys and the ability uh, to have the public key infrastructure uh, 
crypto keys. Um, but what I want to make clear to people is this is everything. This isn't just the elections in the state of Florida and Ohio. This is everything has to go through this crypto system. And it is not the, the United States government that owns it, even though the United States government, through the Federal Bridge Certification Authority and other hubs all work together in this system of cryptology that basically sells America out to corporations. And then these corporations changed names. At first, one of these corporations, when it started, was a monopoly in Canada called, um, what was it, Nortel? And Nortel, then, yeah. then it became Entrust in America, and then it changed names all over the place. Then it went to Shanghai, and then we see it coming back to America. Now we see other companies like Cloudflare popping up saying, oh, yeah, but we can do it six times faster, so everybody needs to jump on whatever this new thing is, probably because when they centralize it, it's so much easier to control everything at once. But the point is... Yeah, it, it, it's just a marketing pit. What we're seeing is that all these different brand names are nothing but the same list uh, with different uh, uh, people managing a different set of customers. But as you've pointed out many times, that's probably the taxing portion of the system so that they have more than one tax authority collecting all that uh, all that tax money. So they don't want to uh, manage that all through one location. But the lookup table for the crypto keys uh, would move a lot faster if you don't have to look up 10 or 20 different lists and can just look it up in one big table. So what I'm seeing and surmising is that what we're seeing is something similar to the ICANN list for looking up uh, an internet site, uh, once you're into the internet, this list for the crypto keys is probably being managed somewhere offshore. Not even in the U.S., that would be my guess. And the saddest thing of all is this is just building upon the old British imperial system of the Privy Council surrounding a monarchy. And I suggest to you that Hillary Clinton might as well be the digital monarch of the world and that her Privy Council includes, yes, John Podesta, Mueller, Comey, Chandler, all these people we've mentioned before, they're like Privy Council members serving her. Yeah, so John... I didn't have to guess, by the way. I, I needed to refresh my memory. There is a list that actually out on the Internet we can see that uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 of the 50 states use Komodo RSA, 9 of those have store their keys in the UK and one in Sweden and included in that list is Arizona wh whose keys are stored in the UK and so we also know that Komodo and um, Global Sign which keeps their keys in Belgium for Alabama California Iowa Missouri and New Jersey uh, are all tied at the hip with strategic partnerships with um, Cloudflare. So it looks to me that the the, the moral of this story is that it really does pay if you're going to be a bad guy to be a friend of Robert Mueller. Absolutely, and Hillary Clinton, because Mueller. Yeah, Hillary. And... Uh, there's a list of people. When we go back to when he was at the Department of Justice in in the late '90s and early 2000s. There, there was a group of people working together on this, which included Eric Holder, uh, James B. Chandler, um, James Comey, Robert Mueller, 
Rod Rosenstein, uh, Janet Reno, um, Brennan, Clapper. Uh, you know, it's the same group of people. It's so disturbing. they're they're running they're running for their lives right now because we're starting to figure all this stuff out. And they're, sh- and they're popping up again. You can't make it up. Jerry C. Jones, Richard C. Walker. Jerry C. Jones, yes. Uh, Walker. You see the name Orlando Bravo. You Orlando see Bravo. Uh, McAfee pops up again here and there, but he's kind of out of the picture. But each of these people, like Dmitry Alperovich, they were all criminals, and they were usually caught as criminals. Like, look at look at Joey Sullivan. Look at good old Sully. Sully starts off as what? He busts the criminals. And then what does he do? He gets probably the criminals to work for him, and then they make sure to take over the system in a criminal way. Well, I, I, sh- I should mention that from 97 to 99, he worked out of the Las Vegas office on money laundering and, um, and the like. So they, they sent him there, obviously, to get trained up on how to launder money. I, I want to mention again that John McAfee hired Dmitry Alperovich at uh, you know the McAfee uh, virus uh, company, and uh, he was hired because he had already been busted by the FBI for being a Russian hacker in America, actually the most active one ever. And then they made him what? the best, highest, and most frequently associated with Obama cyber warrior. Hello? Dmitry Alperovich was about the only man they called ever in the last five years of Obama's administration to do anything, and he was a Russian spy whose dad has the crypto keys for everything from the DIA to uh, to major corporations, to uh, the Office of Business Management, you name it, his father has the crypto keys for it. So they learned for a long time ago, get the crypto keys and make sure mm-hmm. that they're managed by a small little group called the Common Policy Committee, which gives out the charter to entrust, mostly, and other companies to basically have a monopoly so that the what I call the tax on the internet can be shared amongst the companies who have insiders who started other little companies to work underneath in trust so that they could get a piece of the pie. I was told from the beginning, if you follow these crypto keys, you follow where the criminals retire. And I didn't know what that meant. But yes, if you're a criminal, you know that this is the way in and that it will never end as long as the internet continues to handle global commerce. Well, I think there's a a key piece of information that's that's uh, popped out of this research that pretty much says everything about uh, what insiders do with this information, and that would be where did Michael Chertoff, the former uh, Homeland Security director uh, under Bush and Obama, go after he left government service? He started an organization called the Chertoff Group, and they invested in, they bought out in trust from Jerry C. Jones. And then he, with that buyout, then started managing the keys in, um, let's see, some states. Uh, Colorado, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, and Wyoming. So they they threw him a bone, and and of those, Pennsylvania has more electoral votes than anyone else. And uh, and that's that's where he is now. And he, he obviously knows where the money was and where it was the easiest to get. He was Homeland Security, right? Yep. 
which I call the SS. In fact, I, I, I bailed his butt out in 2005. If you recall, uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit, you know how all the infrastructure went down. Well, the governor, Blanco, called us here in Columbus, Ohio, and we actually supplied the only working emergency uh, and disaster recovery and life-saving platform for communication across our agencies that worked. All of the Homeland Security systems went down. All of the um, uh, uh, Army Corps of Engineers systems went down. And our system, with little old entrepreneurial company in Columbus, Ohio, is the only one that stayed up and never went down. And we have a picture of uh, George Bush and Michael Chertoff meeting with the uh, Governor Blanco and her staff at their network operating center. And on the table is a, a polycom link to our uh, leader phone communication system. And that was, was the only one working. Well, did I ever get a thank you note from Michael Chertoff? No. <laughs> I hope you weren't expecting one. Uh, let's remember uh, he's a I wasn't, but pin. now, you know, it, it's, it ticks me off to see this guy uh, just using his inside knowledge to, in, you know, um, for ang- I'm lost for words right now. Personal aggrandizement. To yes. enrich himself yeah. and his friends with the knowledge that he gained from the, the wholesale theft of not only our technology, but many other good inventors who were just raped by this system. Oh, yeah. Sorry for getting a little angry. No, it's because the patents are raped, the creativity is stolen, and in many cases the inventors are killed. And that is not an exaggeration. Let's just look at Chertoff. Well, I'm still here, so... Thank uh, God for that. that Well, you're protected because they want to know if you're going to invent any new stuff because you are leader technologies. Leader. That's the reason your phone was the only one that worked. Let's go into Chertoff for a second. Homeland Security was all prepared. They had everything, including the uniforms, including the metal detectors, all prepared. And his companies and his friends all had bought into that before Homeland Security went into place. A small little example, Mandolin Bay. I can't say what happened there, but I can tell you this. Every single hotel on the Strip, within 48 hours, had metal detectors that were custom-made for those hotels at their entrances, all entrances and exits. It was his company that provided them. He could not have made, he could not have provided custom made metal detectors for every hotel on the strip within 48 hours unless he was part of planning Mandalay Bay. That's right. a fact. It's not possible. Well, this, this is exactly what President Eisenhower was warning about with the military industrial complex. These guys, when they when they make the wars up, that then they can fund and fuel then uh, they make money both ways. So terrorism has been a great profit center for this insider group of, of uh, despicable human beings. And those are, those are the ones um, making money in those ways. Then there's the digital ones, the digital cabal that we keep talking about, and Joseph Sullivan, Sully, as I like to call him. Sully, d- literally, his company took the impulse sent from the tally of the votes in Florida, sent it to wherever Sully is, could have messed with it, and sent it back. And so if we're talking about any collusion, corruption, or in any way a conspiracy in the votes, he would be in on it, guaranteed. And it's not by accident that he has 
the swing states. It's not by accident that his company can now do it six times faster than anybody else, and everybody's all about speed. So what do I tell you? I tell you that means they do six times less the work. They're probably not even checking anybody's encryption codes as far as I'm concerned. And it goes out of the country. If it goes out of the country, it is not a secure chain of custody. And anything digital can't be anyway. So we keep pointing out that the Privy Council around the digital the digital cabal Privy Council around uh, digital Queen Hillary gets thicker every single day that you and your group of hundreds of researchers find out more information. And every one of them comes back to becoming literally filthy rich off of stealing your trade secrets. And it, it's kind of it's disgusting. And as I, as we were chatting with someone earlier today on the phone, you and I and that person, the person was saying, I cannot believe that any person in America that is a citizen wouldn't stand up and fight for the right that Michael McKibben and Leader Technologies had a trillion dollars stolen from them by these soy boy Silicon Valley cardboard cutouts. And I said, no, it's $14.4 trillion. And as you've pointed out, that's a confirmed number. Almost as much money as we have in the national debt was stolen from you because that's how much money the IBM Eclipse Foundation made, and those are conservative estimates. So yeah, to that person, Rick, you're right. Anyone with a clear mind would want to literally storm the Bastille, want to storm D.C., and literally kick everybody out of there that's a lawyer that has ever received any money from a lobbyist, or that is any part of any of these things, which would only leave a few people, and then we could start again. Right. Well, Chandler said after we met him, and he looked at our technology, right at the beginning of our relationship, he said, you don't have one patentable invention, you've got at least 60. Well, we now know that the other attorney that he had us work with, Fenwick and West, has filed seven, eight hundred, maybe a thousand patents for Facebook, and Fenwick and West, I don't talk about much, but he was um, he that was the other firm, and they're in California, that uh, uh, was right in the center of the our ripoff, and and clearly they were the the go-to company that was going to get all the patent work once they wrested it out of our hands, and so in 2007 they started filing Facebook patents and never stopped, but those are all what are called um, derivative works. And when you file a patent off of a, a prior claim, you have to pay a royalty to the, the, the base code or base invention from which you derived your version. Well, I haven't, my, my phone is not ringing off the hook right now and has never. The, 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 the silence is deafening in our American system that I always believed in. That's I always sad. believed that the courts would eventually find their way to doing the right thing. Now what I learn is that all of these lawyers, all of these judges, are all in on this system, and you either participate in the feeder system in which they'll take care of you, which includes venture capitalists and bankers, uh, but if you try to actually pre uh, protect your property, you're going to be pushed out. And that's the dirty little secret that these venture capitalists and these bankers and these lawyers and these politicians, they all know, and they've been trying to keep it secret. Well, I think the cat's out of the bag, don't you? I am certain that that lion is out of that bag because that lion needs uh, to go on the prowl. 
And as we were saying with Rick in this conversation that we had earlier, uh, what's happened with you is it's a terrible crime and it's the same people and it's a crime against humanity. It's not just a crime against your company. And you had a solution from the beginning. He called up and he said, Mr. Pain in the Ass, the globalist, can you tell me why Michael McKibben's system in leader technologies was so robust that they wouldn't be able to break into the system if he had been the one who actually created social networking? They allowed his patents to go forward and his uh, trade secrets to go forward. And I said, I don't know the answer to that, so I called you. And you described something which gave me a great deal of hope. Because the whole thing with these encryption keys can all be figured out. You already figured it out, and your system had it built into it. But can you explain this um, software backdoor and the way that true random uh, selection uh, devices can ensure encryption? And that's the way you planned it from the beginning. Well, I don't want to get in the weeds here, uh, but bottom line is, if you take if encryption is, is is a good concept, and the idea of a public private key, public and private key is a good good concept. The 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 way these guys have broken it is the private key isn't really private because they're storing it in this general repository. So in fact, you don't have any keys. It would be be the equivalent of just leaving your front door key out on the on the sidewalk for the next person to to get into your house. That's how that's what's going on right now. And so, the, why why are they going through this big charade? Because they want to fool the general public. And as long as the general public is fooled, they can make hay with your data. And and they are they're selling our data to everybody that wants to buy it. So the the bottom line is encryption. If you can have a truly random number generated on which you base your encryption key, then you can highly you can stop most of this third party um, abuse of our data. And if for, if for no other reason, when you're talking about the data for everybody on the planet, you're talking about a, a lot of data. If it's all tr- encrypted or the parts that you want encrypted are all encrypted, it's very difficult for these um, illegal spy platforms that are trying to do searches on the whole Internet to be able to get to that data because it's, in fact, encrypted. Not everything that we use needs to be encrypted, but the parts that need to be encrypted, that's the way you start to get um, some security built into this network, which at a hardware level is is open and uh, uh, accessible to the whole world. That's its beauty and its benefit. But you need to be able to encrypt your data and keep it from prying eyes and specifically identify who should be able to see this data at any time you want. And so a good system is going to be flexible to allow you to do that when you need it and keep it open when you don't need it. And right now, everything is open, including all of your private data. So we don't have security. And anybody that claims that they're 100% secure is lying. Oh, John McAfee says there's not one speck of anything on the Internet that is secure. Well, he's right. Not one speck. Don't even dream it. And so you said that there is a, oh, you've pointed out many times, and you've pointed out to me in the code, 
that there is a software code that allows the randomness not to work. And this was part of the backdoor thing that was built into the every right. spec of the digital interception of everything on the internet. Can you explain yeah, that for people? Yeah, it's called the dual ECDRBG algorithm, and I, I will spare you the boredom of the what each of those letters mean. But bottom line is, the the algorithm that the NSA forced all hardware, software, and firmware companies to embed in their software or actually on their chips uh, was a piece of software that would generate random numbers. But the problem is for doing encryption. But the problem is they built a flaw in the way the encryption, um, the random numbers generated, so it's in fact not random. And so ostensibly only the NSA knew what that flaw was, and once you know that flaw, you can unpack anything and, and open it up. And so they forced everyone to put that in their system, and this was after uh, they didn't get Congress in 1994 to uh, agree to have to give the FBI a backdoor. I mean, patriots in our Congress were actually pushing back on that idea. So what they did is they just did an end run, and then they forced everyone to do it through their export licenses. And so then they got what they wanted. But this, this algorithm is continuing to be used to this day. And so if you if you stop that, then you you can stop the ability to just open these up with these known backdoors. And what you're Does describing, oh yeah, it's perfectly good sense. And what you've said, you've said this before, and you've made it perfectly clear to people and anyone who's ever even asked you a question about this, you gave them all the details so that every single person that we know has been satisfied with what you have told them to prove this to them. And when they have been people at, they thought, very high levels of security, they woke up and they found the code that was there that they, for some reason, were blind to all this time. But what you've described here is what I would call, in my silly little way, this is the di digital evil empire. These people yeah. knew this from the beginning. They planned this. This I, is, this I, is anybody murder. Who want, anybody who wants to know about this dual ECDRBG algorithm, just Google dual ECDRBG algorithm and Juniper Networks. Because a couple of years ago, some network engineers who did not know about this were at a conference in California, and they started presenting information that they discovered it. And then as soon as they discovered it, they realized that Juniper Networks, the largest enterprise security software platform in the world, admitted that they had the algorithm out and, and in their code and then immediately committed to remove it. Well, if you think they really removed it, then I've got some more of that cheap land in Florida to sell you. Oh, this is very this was much... a major access of the of the of the deep state shadow government in all of our corporate data. Oh, absolutely, every bit of it. And this is the murder of the U.S. Constitution. It's the death absolutely. of free speech. It is the death of America, folks. And it's already happened because this was weaponized a long time ago. And we're going to now see a big shift in it, a big change in it, because so much consciousness has come to bear upon it that uh, critical mass has been reached and people have seen uh, who the man behind the curtain is. Thanks a lot, especially to Michael McKibben and the, his good friends at Americans for Innovation. Yeah, I got a whole team of people that oh, we have to thank with that one. And all your shareholders and the uh, all, many groups. We, we don't list them. 
But let's say that just one one group that uh, that uh, Betsy and her team work with has have twenty different outlets and more people than we can count. So we are working with a ton of people. But what you again bring as a spokesperson for a lot of these people and doing this research, just it 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 absolutely rocks our world, and it's no less grotesque than what we see upon the silver screen with Star Wars because these are Sith lords. Okay, Jerry C. Jones, Sith Lord, Richard C. Walker, Sith Lord, Robert Mueller, Sith Lord. These are Sith Lords. Hey, These I are have people. A for you. They want to kill people. They I, want to take I over know the you're world. The Star Wars guy, but uh, what's a Sith Lord? That's someone who takes the energy and turns it towards evil instead of good, and that's what these people do. They, these are very, right. very conscious acts. None of this happened by accident. And we see that the infiltration has been so profound with the senior executive service, but also they came in and they snuck in with what at first, early in the uh, late 70s, they started with the civil service reform by saying senior information service. So it was strictly, SES was created initially strictly for information technology people to pay them more than anyone else has ever been paid in civil service. That's how corrupt this is. The moment that they realized the power of the digital world, the corruption that we see from the Vatican and from the monarchies and from the British government and the British Privy Council came right into our government wholesale. The only problem is it literally isn't even as big as the Privy Council, which has almost 600 members. This is a small group of people who are taking over the world, and it seems as if every time we turn around, we found another Sith Lord, because now it's Sir... Sith Lord Joseph Sullivan, who was there all along from the beginning, being as evil as any of the rest of these people that we've brought to light. So we want to see that the Rebel Alliance continues and that the second American Revolution with Trump as our leader happens and that we turn this around, sign the Miller Act, and completely turn the internet from a weaponized version into the free version that you and your engineers at Leader Technologies imagined from the beginning? Well, Douglas, in this research, we uh, stumbled on something which is quite um, quite interesting. In, uh, I think I've shared with you that in my past, uh, during my gospel music days, that I worked a lot with uh, Cardinal Carol Wojtyla, who became Pope John Paul II. And I've always said he's the real deal. And uh, I've experienced that personally. I've been in his home, and uh, he's recommended us, even though none of us were Roman Catholic, and uh, when he was elected the first Polish Pope in 450 years, you got to think there was something unique going on there. Well, we then had an audience with him in 1980, on August 14th of 1980, and um, you can imagine our shock when we discovered a picture of Joe Sullivan and his new bride at Vatican, standing almost in exactly the same spot as we uh, we set up our group in and sang uh, gospel music throughout the Vatican PA, and uh, Pope John Paul II came over and greeted all of our team members and guests, and and then uh, uh, he uh, blessed my youngest daughter, oldest daughter, who was four months old at the time, and uh, that was quite a quite a significant event, and what we saw in this is that uh, there's a picture of Joe Sullivan greeting Pope John Paul II in 
August on September 4th of 1996. So that was like 16 years later. And uh, I encourage everybody to look at his eyes. I think he's looking at Joe Sullivan, and he knows he's looking at the face of evil. Oh, yeah. And I think Joe, I think Joe was there meeting with the Jesuit Curia who were being suppressed by Pope John Paul II. They aren't now, but they were then. Oh, yeah. Well, what happens is the Pope has St. Peter's keys, but they don't compare to Sith Lord Joseph Sullivan's crypto keys. And what I say to that is, let them keep their keys. We're going to change the locks. <laughs> 